You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast as frustratingly, upsettingly, we come to you off another series loss as the Phillies unable to get it done in Chicago after taking game one. You feel good. Zach Eflin gets you the W and then unfortunately two heartbreakers in a row, especially obviously the game two loss where Jason Hayward hits the walk-off grand slam. But more up ahead, the Phillies have a huge series with the Brewers coming up. We'll look back, look ahead, all that type of stuff. First and foremost, let me welcome in. It's so exciting. Whenever I get to actually do the show with the guy I started the show with, uh, it seems like such a rare occurrence, but it, but it is always a blast. The one, the only, Mr. Johnny Mox. What's up, Johnny? What's up, James? What's up, everybody? Up? Well, I really died in my intro right there, Johnny. Thank you. Just, you thank you. Just, you. You, just, you just dove right in there. Um, what is up? This is this is the the you're getting John Marks after you know a day of work whatever and then going home and having to take care of the baby and everything and the the children as it were it is a um it is a subdued Johnny Marks. Well, it's a, my 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 kids wake up before five o'clock now. <laughs> literally four four fifty this morning. It's like no, please no, please no. Oh, All man. you parents out there know how it feels. Yeah, so well, that, is, you know. that is good stuff, brother. You got to do what you got to do in that department. I'll carry the energy part for well, us. Well, and, 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 and I'll tell you this. It's why you, even, when, even when you have an 8 o'clock start, it's tough because it, 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 a 7 o'clock start's tough for me right now. Oh, and then me you only too, have that man. one hour. It's like crazy, man. Oh, it's brutal. Like West Coast games, I used to love them when I didn't have to talk about them after it and whatnot, like, and stay up to watch the whole thing and all that if I could be like, oh, I passed out. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. At least they've been fun to watch for the most part. But, look, uh, let's start just kind of at the top here. You and I haven't really talked since this this end of May, beginning of June swoon, if you want to call it that. They've lost eight of the last 11 Obviously, the runs were an issue on the West Coast, but they come back. They do put a few runs on the board in Chicago. But just coming out of this series, look, it wasn't like they were were blown out in any of these games. They lost by one run, and they lost on a walk-off grand slam. But what is your – actually, when you think about it, they actually outscored the Cubs. If you take just the total runs from the series, they outscored the Cubs. But what's your takeaway from this series against a good Cubs team in Chicago? Yeah, man, it, it, this is it was a tough series. They, like you said, they could have won any of these games. the The game that you thought that they were going to lose was Eflin, and that's actually the the game that they came out. Eflin looked great. Uh, Nola yeah, didn't have his his best stuff last night, and then tonight, or, or excuse me, this afternoon, Cubs are a good team. It's a it's a tough place to play, and kind of the end of a, a, a you know, two two series in in California. You go to Chicago. I thought they looked better this series. Um, 
obviously the San Francisco series was a debacle. They split in L.A., uh, but this was very easily a series you could have won two or three. So I, I'm feeling I'm feeling all right. Uh, the offense is still kind of like eh. Yeah, he's Kapler's moved some guys around. You've seen Kingery now in the three hole, which I, I, I mean, at least he's trying something new to get Odubel going or whatever. But the offense remains a concern, and, and the starting pitching in the bullpen, James, they can't do this the whole the whole year long. So the offense at some point is going to have to step up and, and carry this team for a stretch. Uh, but hey, right now you got some winnable games coming up, and um, you need to because it's a really tough end of the month. We're already. Yeah, already the first second week of June right now. Yeah, and it's already tough. There, there's no soft spots. I mean, the Rockies are maybe the you know that's if you want to look at a weak spot on the schedule. The Rockies are are tied for the lead in the NL West, and that's the toughest team. You know, the least tough team they'll face. They've got the Yankees this month. They got Washington for seven games. They have six games against the Brewers, who you know happen to have the best record in the National League so it's it's not easy at any point and we'll get into the Brewer series they play up. much better at home too which is which makes you feel good coming back exactly to back for this weekend yeah that's huge and as many home games as we can get obviously 13 and 19 on the road and I think still what 18 and 8 18 9 somewhere in that range at homes so they've been a much better home team but I'm kind of where you're at in terms of I definitely feel better than I did after the West Coast trip it was nice to see them respond with at least some offense, you know, better at bats in that first game. You could see that whatever the message was, whether it was the Arietta speaking out or Kapler, how he, he handled it with the team after that and, and publicly as well. And, and I'll get your take on that in a minute, but um, I, I do think that, and they, and all season long, they really, they've shown a, a, a an ability to bounce back from adversity and, and not let, you know, the far down times keep them down. And, and I think we've seen that in the Chicago series. Again, that that loss on on uh, in game two with the, the Hayward walk-off is just... Still hurts. But, yeah, it's potentially, and we've had some rough losses this year. Hector Neris uh, is responsible for a few. but that And, and not this one, obviously. But I, I think this one, for me at least, I think that might have been the, the toughest loss of the season for me. But I, I think they've shown resiliency, and I, I felt good about... The fact that they battled, you know, especially being down in these games and fighting back. Obviously, they, they had to leave from the jump in game one. But even, even though they didn't win game two or game three, they fought back in each of those games and took the lead in game two and, and you know, tied it and then came close again in game three. So I think at least if you're looking for some silver linings, it's the offense having some better at-bats, the aggressive base running. I love that from O'Double today where – um, you know, he just takes third on a, a basically a grounder to short. The guy looks him back. You never see runners actually go there, and yep. he he waits, waits, waits for the guy to throw and just takes off. And, and I think that with this offense the way it is, especially with Reese out, I, I think that even though Reese might have been struggling, he is. A, we talked about his leadership and all that, but also just a presence in the lineup that that at least instills some fear, even when he's slumping. And they certainly haven't had that same level of it. So they need to work at bats. They need to do what they do. And they need to do things like, you know, get extra bases when they can. And and I thought that was really good to see. Really quickly, I, you know, at least I know you talked about on the radio, but we haven't really heard your take on, on the High Hopes podcast about the whole Arietta thing and, and then the subsequent Kapler response. What was your your 
you know, kind of feeling on the whole thing. And do you think it, it was the reason that we're starting to see him play better baseball or, you know, was that just the ebbs and flows of baseball and they had a rough West Coast trip? Yes and yes. I, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I, I loved I loved the fact that Arietta came and came out and did it. He's the guy that has the presence on the team that can get away with it. He is the guy with the championship and the Cy Young pedigree. And the team needed it. The team needed a wake-up call. They really looked... You have three games and you don't score a run other than your your starting pitcher, Arietta hitting a home run. <laughs> it's outrageous. Total, totally fine with it. Um, you, you single out Kingery, and I'm sure he regretted that. But hey, what he what he said wasn't wrong. These, it's a sloppy. It was a sloppy baseball team defensively. For all the analytics that that Kapler and and Klintak talk about, Scott Kingery playing any games at shortstop shouldn't happen, in my opinion. Uh, it, it it's not a natural position to him. The shifts aren't working. Uh, they're they're working out the kinks, and like, like you said, the ebbs and the flows. The Giants got swept by the Phillies in a four game series back here at Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies got swept in three. It just shows you it's not easy to go to the other side of the country and and to play. And the Giants kind of gave you back what what you took from them here. It's the ebbs and it's the flows of baseball. I'm glad he did it. And and Kapler's response to it was exactly predictably what he was going to say. Kapler knows he's not wrong. I'm sure he would have rather him not come out and single out Kingery, but Kapler can take it. I know he can take it, and I know he knows how to handle the situation. And one of the reasons why you signed Jake Arrieta, and you saw with the the response that he got in Chicago, which, hey, won a Cy Young, won a World Series there, but you don't think that they would have, if they could do it all over again, that they wouldn't take Arrieta at three for 75 rather than that bum you Darvish that, that they signed. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. I, any day of the week, that's a better signing. He's a better pitcher than Darvish at this point. So that's why I'm glad he's here because he's a guy that can say that and have no problems talking about it again the next day. And um, and I'm an Arietta fan, and I'm glad he's on the team for sure. A- amen to that, brother. Seriously, I-, I couldn't agree with you more. And and I said it before when when Jack and I talked about it, but. You're, you're absolutely right. You hit on the key of it is that there's only one guy on this baseball team, one player who has the gravitas, who has the standing in that locker room to get up and do something like this. And it's the guy who did it. And, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that he did that. I appreciate that he recognizes his place in the clubhouse, that he wants to do that type of stuff. And I think Kapler's response was, like you said, predictably, you're, you're dead on. I mean, this guy, he gets it. He totally understands how, what to say in public and what not to. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe playing in the league for 12 years under a bunch of really good managers maybe taught him yep. some things. But uh, he, I, I thought it was such a, a perfect response. Take the blame on you. Defend the other guys and say, you know, we are open to all ideas and we want to be better. Boom. Like, that's your mantra. That's what he lives by, and he just keeps backing it up. And I, I was just – look, a lot of managers – I mean, think about, like, Pete McCannon last year. If, if Pete McCannon as a player come out and say that, you think Pete McCannon's responding that way? He's just not. Like, he's going to be butthurt, and he's going to, like, be pissy about it like that or, or silent about it or whatever. Like, I thought Kapler just did such a great job of handling it. Speaking of Kapler, though, John, we got another – um, another round of the, the Kapler hate, which just, they will, they will find any way to jump in there. But uh, in this series against Chicago, obviously the, the heartbreaking, heart-wrenching loss, but there were a lot of people who had issues with the way Kapler handled the end of that game. 
I I don't have I have an I have a it's funny because I have a completely different thing to be mad at Kapler for. If you want to get mad at Kapler for that game, I don't have any problem with how the end of the game played out. At least from his decision making. How did you feel about the whole Sir Anthony of it all and Adam Morgan and the way that all played out? Uh, well, and if Morgan doesn't serve up a, a walk-off grand slam, we're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the great – one of the reasons I love being a baseball fan of Philadelphia is because we do react to games the way that we do with the Eagles, right? The NFL yep. 16 games, it's you're reacting and this and that. And when you do it for 162, you don't get an opportunity every night. But it's fun to react with um, it's fun to react kind of like you're you're watching a, a football game. Yeah, the yeah. minutia and the little stuff and the, the I, I'm stuff. so with you, man. Yeah, he um, it's it's Sir Anthony had a two out save, I guess the or, or a two inning save, I guess the um, I guess the week before uh, he's he's been he's been dominating Morgan. You know, he, he's he's playing the matchups. Uh, obviously, in hindsight, if I had to do do it all over again, or if he had to do it all over again, you would you you would change it up maybe a little bit. But you know, I'm, I'm going to ride with him here, and um, and he, and keep this in mind. He's still figuring out roles. He's still figuring out what he his pitchers can do and what they can't do. We're only, I guess, uh, you know, a third of, of a way into the season or whatever. So. Yeah, man. Uh, he, he has his moments. Kapler has his moments. But I, I didn't take much issue with that game. Uh, it, John, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's look, he doesn't have a closer, guys. Like, he doesn't have that right. go-to guy. You can just say, all right, Mariano, go in there and shut this bitch down. Like, that, that he doesn't have that, uh, you know, Pretty, pretty clear Neris. Pretty clear it's not Neris, too, the yeah, way he's been using uh, it. Yeah, Neris has been kind of taken out of those types of situations. Luis Garcia's looked good in those spots when he's gotten the opportunities. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I look, Sir Anthony Dominguez has, at least in the first 16 innings of his career prior to that, had shown that he can do that, that he can do the two innings. And I'm totally fine with Kapler making the decision to bat him. I've heard people complain about that. And that's a whole separate issue than, than the issue to pull him out after that. I've heard people who are upset that, that he didn't binge it for him. And then people are upset that he took him out. Like, one way or the other, like, did you want him to go out or do you want him to pinch hit? Right. But uh, I think I think the way it played out, I have no problem with him batting and saying, hey, this is my best reliever. This guy has been nails since the moment he came up to the majors. And again, a guy who's 16 innings in the majors, he's a kid. I understand how he's not going to be perfect, people. He's not going to work out every single time. He just gave up his first run and now 17-plus innings. Like, that's really impressive. But... Yeah, I, I, look, it looked to me and to my, you know, layperson eyes that he didn't have it in that second inning. And whether it's because he was used the night before and the, and just couldn't go two innings or whatever, he didn't look like he had the same stuff that we've seen him have in that second inning of work. And in that situation, when you know you've got two switch hitters coming up and then a lefty who has struggled immensely against lefties, mm-hmm. you, you have to believe that Adam Morgan's going to get those outs. Adam Morgan should get those outs. He has gotten those outs. I think it's so crazy to say it's like people are just looking for things. And the funny thing is, is something happened. You want to talk about the minutia of the game. There was something that happened in the fourth inning of the game that if you want to rip Kapler, rip Kapler for not yet coaching into these guys, how every base is not covered when things happen in a shift or whatever it is. Like the fact that, that Chris Bryant was able to take third base because there was no one covering it. 
was outrageous. And that's on a stolen base walk. There is no yep. one covering third base. That's the reason to get mad at Kapler. And I understand that it's also execution. It might not be his fault, but keep him after practice. Do whatever you got to do to dr drill home the fundamentals. If you want to get mad at Kapler for that game, get mad that his team didn't know the fundamentals in that spot and it ultimately cost you a run. That's when yep. you get mad at him. The bullpen stuff, I think, for me at least, it feels like it's picking at straws or trying to find something to get mad at. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I feel like any any manager on any team in any season is going to have games where you get second-guessed. It's going to happen all the time. If Dominguez gets out of that inning and they get a save, no one's worried about it. If Adam Morgan comes in and finishes it up, Listen, you got to give the other team some credit too. You know, Adam Morgan yes. came in. Give, give Hayward credit. He he uh, he hit the bomb. Um, you know, one thing I I I I don't even know if I said this on the air or just off the air or just talking to people, but um, Larry Bow is one of my favorite Phillies of all time, both uh, as a player, which was a little bit after, uh, really right when I started watching baseball, he was still playing. Uh, later on, as a coach and then as a manager. Um, we know the manager thing didn't work out exactly how everybody hoped it would, but he was a damn good baseball guy. He is a damn good baseball guy. And I'll, I'll tell you this, they'd be better defensively and they wouldn't have these sloppy errors that we're talking about if Larry Bow was on this coaching staff. I know Kapler came in. I know he wanted his own guys. I know they kept Larry around the organization, but these are things. Larry works with infielders. Larry... Larry, for, for the Francos and, and Kingrys and the Crawfords and, and Cesar, ask Freddie Galvis who, who, made him a, who helped him with his glove over at shortstop. Talk to any of the guys that have been in there. So, you know, I, Rob Thompson, the, the story that came out that, that Heyman threw against the wall, that it's like, oh, well, more or, le more or less it was a puppet regime <laughs> that, um, that, that, that Kapler wasn't doing anything. It was all Rob Thompson. Well, if that's the case, then this has nothing to do with Gabe Kapler and, and Blaine Thompson, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. John Heyman, whoever his sources are, they all hate Gabe Kapler. I think that's our biggest takeaway. He was the one who had to get the manager out of the way. Like, this yes. guy just seems to know everybody who can stand Gabe Kapler. So he, he and, has an agenda. And, yes. and now now the new, the new throwing stuff against the wall is Manny Machado. There's another story that, that was out today about that. So uh, that's going to continue. Yeah, I'll just say I take everything John Heyman says with the grainiest grain of salt, uh, that, that's that's what I'll say about that. But it's you know what it is. It's good for it's good for us. It's good totally. for 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 people that that like sports talk radio and and like talk radio because you know what he's doing. And I'm sure he's got people he talks to, but he's more or less connect, connecting the dots and putting yep. stuff out there. Yep. A lot of time, a lot of times, if you read how he words things, he'll say something to the effect of. Uh, a source that has knowledge of uh, the organization's thinking. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like, pay attention to the words that Heyman uses when he yeah, puts these stories out Yeah, it's a great point. There. It's a great point. Uh, you're and and it, it's very well crafted and well done like that. You're absolutely right. He knows and what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But how often is he right with what he says? Is a uh, is a whole different story. But regardless, I, you look. You're going to hear the Machado stuff and. And I think that's something that we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think that he's going to get traded anytime in the near future, not until the closer to the deadline. I don't know what kind of market there's going to be for him as I would find it 
beyond shocking that he would sign a contract without testing the market, no matter who he thinks he wants to go to or what he wants to do. I think he's going to test the free agent market and make it very clear that his ever's trading for him, they are trading for a rental. So it could be interesting. Yeah. I, I say that, and then the, the Yankees traded a top five prospect to get a half a season of Aldis Chapman. So what do I know? Or, or the Cubs did, I mean. Yep. No, but the other thing with, with Machado is he, he may sign with the Phillies if they offer him a half a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 if you're talking about 400 to 450 million, sure, you can resign him. But if you're not, it, it, it all depends on the price tag. Heyman was saying today that you're talking about four. Oh, young I'm players. not saying that you couldn't resign him. I'm saying that, that, I don't think you'll be able to resign him before, he, unless you give it, like you said, unless you unless give him five hundred million. Yes. Yeah. If you say Manny, we're trading for you, and here is five hundred million dollars, then yep. yeah, he'll probably resign. Especially if it was yep. something. Look, especially, and I don't like to make too much of this stuff, but if he, you know, he knows the guys in the front office and all that stuff, so there's at least some level of trust in that type of situation. I Meaning, if I, I, if I, I'd feel better about the Phillies trading for Machado and that meaning he would sign here than another team because they know Machado. Otherwise, I don't think it gives you a huge advantage when he's out on the market. I think that'll come down to money and fit and all that. But regardless, look at this. See, Heyman's already got us talking Machado, which is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is also funny, too, because you mentioned Freddie Galvis, and I would think that any uh, any part of a, uh, a Machado-type trade would have Eniel De Los Santos in it. And it just can't, I can't believe that that guy is what they got for Freddie Galvez. We don't talk about that enough. He's got a sub-2 ERA. He's got well over a strikeout per inning. He's been, he's amazing. And, and, and they got him for Freddie Galvez. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and normally he would be the guy that, that you're saying, like, all right, bring him up, bring him up. There's not really a spot in the rotation yeah. for him right now. The, 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 this was the start where, where if Eflin would have uh, would have would have kicked rocks, I would have been like, all right, it's time to bring up. They got a couple young pitchers down there yeah. in AAA. Um, also, the big lefty I'm blanking on his name right now, which is which is Cole Irvin, has been really really good this year for uh, for the Iron Pig. So he could be another guy that comes up. But hey, starting pitching's been great this year. Yeah, um, and that's the craziest thing and. We'll get into that in just a sec because I want to look ahead to this series coming up and, and talk a little Vinny Velasquez. But uh, before we move on, John, any other takeaways from this series in Chicago or anything since the last time you've been on the pod? Yeah, man, I'm disappointed. It's, I'm, I'm one of those old-school baseball guys that hates the DH, uh, doesn't mind the speed of the game, and I, I don't like interleague play because you can only get one trip to Chicago every year. You only mm-hmm. get the one trip out, out to L.A. and out west. You only get the one to, to Pittsburgh, for crying out loud. So, yeah, everybody loves interleague play. You, you play the Yankees. But this was the one series in, uh, in Wrigley. So uh, for, the, for the old school get-off-my-lawn Johnny Marks baseball fan, yeah, I wish, wish there was another trip out to, there to Wrigley. I always enjoy them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that part of it. And I actually, look, I think there should be uniformity between leagues. I think it's absolutely absurd to have two Ridiculous. leagues in this. It's, it's just a joke. And I don't care if it's all DH or all no DH. I'm fine. I, I can get the argument for both sides. I think the strategy element of the argument for, for the no DH is slightly overrated. And I think the... Um, you know, the, the DH argument, I do like the concept of, of not having to watch pitchers hit, but I think there is some strategy and, and whatnot to it. I just think it's somewhat over-argued. So point being, just make it the same 
across baseball one way or another. But uh, regardless, let's look ahead, Johnny. Is uh, a big series coming up here? As 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 you mentioned before, it is it is just huge that this team is coming home. It is they have been a different baseball team here than on the road and. And it was kind of frustrating. You mentioned Wrigley, too. You watch those games, and that place is packed. You can't get to see if you tried. They got the awning across the street that's got packed to the gills. And then we got yep. big games happening here, and it's not packed down there. But uh, before we get into the Brewers, what, what have you thought about that? Do you think it's just that they need to get going a little bit more and kind of prove to people they're legit? Do you think it's the weather? Why do you think some of these bigger games haven't been attended as much? It's uh, It's – you know when a when a when an Eagles player, let's use an example, or really any sport, they have that breakout year and they don't make the Pro Bowl or they don't make the All Star team until the following year, because while they're doing well, they're not being recognized by the masses. Um, Fletcher Cox had a great year one year, didn't make the Pro Bowl, and then now he's a Pro Bowler every year after this because everybody knows about him now. So the, this has always been a town except when Citizens Bank Park opened to where you had to win games to get people to come see you. The Phillies were always like that in Veterans Stadium. And then even after the newness of Citizens Bank Park wore off, they needed to win. 86 wins, 85 wins wasn't enough. So once um, once school's over, if the team keeps winning games in July, games in August, you'll get some sellouts. You'll, you'll get some packed nights. But as far as games in April, May, and early part of June – Good luck, man. Even next year, unless they make the playoffs and and really make the playoffs this year, you'll still see some light crowds. And you know what? If people aren't catching on right now, I don't want to hear the argument that no one likes baseball anymore. Bogus. If this team was winning 95-100 games, they'd be sold out every night. But in, in this town... You have to win to get the masses to come out and see you. And um, hopefully they can get some wins this year and they can get people down there because this, this is a fun team to watch. It's, it's fun growing with them right now. Uh, ditto. To everything you said, there, I couldn't agree more. It's a fun team to watch and it's fun to grow. And I thought about that before. Once, once the run came to an end, and, and it was part of the reason I was so annoyed that it took so long for them to finally admit where they were and start the rebuild – but I was excited for the rebuild. And granted, I'm like you, a baseball nerd who loves the minor leagues and loves prospects and loves all that kind of you know stuff that, that not your average baseball fan might love. But I thought it, I thought it would be so fun to get to see a, a young group of guys come up together again and to see you know younger players be like, what is that guy? Is he going to be something? And, and have guys turn into the stars that you end up loving and and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So I think that's a great point. And, and you're certainly dead on with the fact that it's going to take time for, for this team to essentially buy back their, their patrons trust in that sense that they're going to be a good baseball team. It's going to be fun to come down to the ballpark. It's going to be a good time because like you said, they need to be good for people to come down there and a big series though, coming up this weekend. And you hope that people get down there on the weekend for this because uh, it might not be the sexiest series thinking about it, but the Brewers have the best record in the National League. They've been playing really good baseball, and it's really one of those things, John, where I I don't really know how they're doing it. I mean, you look at their team, and their starting rotation, and the, 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 just the three guys that the Phillies are going to see this weekend, they're going to see Julius Chassin, 
Brent Sutter, who sounds like a hockey player, (laughs) right? And then, and Junior Guerra. Like, these are the guys that they're facing. And then Chase Anderson's in the rotation. The offense, Ryan Braun is terrible now. Christian Yelich has been good. Lorenzo Cain has been good. And then it's a bunch of guys that, that your average baseball fan has never heard of, like Jesus Aguilar and and all these types of guys. And Travis Shaw has been a monster for them. Travis Shaw, John. Um, I just love it, Travis Shaw. Yeah, I just I, look. They, the bullpen's been great. Josh Hader. Phillies fans will get to see Josh Hader for the first time, most likely. This dude is the best reliever in baseball right now. He is just, and he's awesome to watch. He's a huge left-handed guy with long hair and he's crazy looking and he's got tattoos and he's awesome. But John, what's your take on this Brewers team? Is this kind of a a mirage? They started off well last year and faded off, but you know, did go out and get Lorenzo King, get Christian Yelich really thought they could compete. And right now I've been playing great baseball. Yeah, you, you're kind of waiting for uh, you're waiting for it to fall apart. Hey, man, we're we're the second week of June now, so still a lot of time and a lot of baseball to play. But hey, you can't go into this series thinking like, ah, they're not really that good. Like, who are these guys? Uh, at some point, it may fall apart, but it doesn't look like it's happening right now. But you know, you know how baseball is. You, you come in, you're uh, you're licking your wounds from a from a rough end to your road trip, and you come out and you get a sweep. Or you do something else, but I, I'm not. I'm not expecting the Brewers to come in and roll over or to fall apart right now. It may happen over time, but it's not happening right now. Yeah, and I don't know if it's going to happen over time. I think I was wrong about them coming into the season. I looked at the look. It's funny too because I think coming into the season, everyone thought it was going to be for sure the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Those three teams were winning the division, then everyone else was playing for the wild card. Obviously, it hasn't quite played out that way, though the Dodgers are climbing their way back into the NL West race as the West has clearly been the worst division. The Phillies, even with uh, the loss today, the Cubs, I think, might still be in first place if they're in the NL West, either in first or tied for first. So it hasn't been a great division so far. But, you know, the Cubs in second place, even with their win today, this Brewers team's played great baseball. And again, it might not be a group of guys that you are very familiar with when you watch this team, but it's been working for them. And the, again, the bullpen has been one of the best in baseball with Josh Hader. As I mean, it's unbelievable. He's striking out 50% of the guys he faces, more than 50%. It's like one one out of every two batters that guy faces, he strikes out. It's crazy. He had, a, mm-hmm. he had an eight-out save a few weeks ago where he struck out all eight guys. He's amazing. So uh, he's been a big weapon for them as a uh, you know high leverage type of reliever going in at big spots and and shutting down rallies or potential rallies or whatever. So he's a weapon. But again, I think it's one of those things where this team has played really well, but it's certainly not. Um, they're certainly vulnerable. And it's again, all the Phillies need to do is come home and play home baseball you look at the pitching matchups and again like we just said we all looked at the pitching matchups for chicago and said oh well you know we can lose the Eflin game and win the other two and uh so it doesn't always play out that way but you got jake arietta going in this uh in this series mm-hmm. and you have um it, so it's a velasquez versus chasin uh sutter versus arietta and then you've got uh junior guerra again zach Eflin, the last one but First and foremost, you have nice matchups there. Vincent Velasquez, John, we got to talk about him before we get out of here because 
Uh, this, uh, I would say, since its inception, the High Hopes podcast has been decidedly anti-Vincent Velasquez ever being a legitimate great or good or whatever starting pitcher in Philadelphia. And for the first time, I think we're all starting to say, whoa, like, whoa, he might be something. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a superstar or whatever, but when you look at his last six starts in 30, 33 and a two-thirds innings, 214 ERA, a 203 average allowed, 38 strikeouts, or excuse me, 42 strikeouts in those 33 innings, He's been awesome. He's been really, really awesome. Do you think this is something that is sustainable, or is this just him stringing together a few of those tantalizing Velasquez moments we've gotten in the past? Yeah, I think that you you, you have to uh, you have to look at him and what he's accomplished this year, and really kind of applaud him and, and say, "Hey, man, he's building on something." Um, you know, ultimately, do I think that that like you just said, however many starts that was in the innings, he's still only averaging five, not even six innings a start, mm-hmm. which is probably which is problematic. But if he's your fourth starter, you can deal with that if he's getting high strikeouts, if he has a, a low ERA. I, I'm still not sold that he's going to be an everyday starter. Uh, his stuff still, to me, translates to the bullpen and a dominant back end of the bullpen arm. But he's given me cause for pause to think that that. He's only a, a bullpen guy. He has Vince has done a, a very good job this year, and I, I, just from talking to him and talking to him down in spring training and talking to Jake Arrieta, a big a big part of the young pitcher's success this year has been a veteran like Jake Arrieta and um, somebody that you can lean on, someone that's been there, someone that's seen a lot, someone who's struggled to begin his career that had great stuff in Baltimore but was never ever ever never able to put it together someone who doesn't have a problem coming out and saying what needs to be said even if it if if it's tough words so uh it's a good spot for Vince right now and hey we're in June James and he's still pitching well so next couple starts I I I actually I I I like I like this spot here I like this spot here for the Phillies and I like it for uh I, I like it for Vince too I, I'm with you there, and and like you said, when it, I always say June 1st, it's real. I don't yep. know if everything that's going to happen up till June 1st is going to continue at the same rate or whatever, but if it's happened up till June 1st, there's a real chance that it could continue to happen. And I think you have to say about Vinny, man, I, and, and just the way he's approached it, the way he's worked. Again, we, we've talked about this somewhat recently on the IOPS podcast, but I don't think we can all – heap enough praise Rick Kranitz's way for the job he's done with this staff and and particularly a guy like Vinny who we all know needed a lot of that type of work you know the the Vinny it was not just like hey get a get a mile per hour faster on your fastball or something it was all in the head the stuff's there so I think you got to give Kranitz and his staff and and Gabe and the whole staff a lot of credit for for what we've seen so far and you hope it continues. Obviously, consistency and all that. A, a yeah. six six start stretch does not make, you know, as a great starting pitcher. But like you said, for well, him, we we've we've talked guy, about him. We've talked about him before, where there's that moment in the start where you 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 know could see that, it going one way or yeah, the other. Yeah, you totally. Could, you could see it going downhill, and he, you haven't seen that really as much the last, like you said, five or six starts to where you think that it's like up oh, here it comes. And he gets out of it. So he's still throwing a lot of pitches. He's still wiggling out of trouble. But he's doing you know, he, That's when he's getting a lot of strikeouts is when he's just kind of saying, like, all right, listen, I got nothing else to lose. He's not thinking about it. He's just throwing. Um, so you're right. 
this is a mental a mental thing with Vince, and uh, at some point he's still a young guy. He could he could very easily figure it all out. Yeah, he really could. I think that's a, a mistake that we all, as a general baseball viewing public, we all are really, really quick to judge with baseball players. Especially I felt like with the Harper Trout thing, when that happened, it kind of just made everybody have unrealistic expectations for prospects and what age they should be ready by and how long it might take people to figure it out. I mean, Nelson Cruz was like 28 before he figured it out in the majors, 29 years old or whatever. It happens. Sometimes guys are just late developers and Vinny's not even that old. And, and to your point, I I remember I was driving, it was like a couple weeks ago, even I was driving around and I heard him on with your show, John Marks, like Reese afternoons, WIP. Um, and, uh, he was, he's really well-spoken and he was harping on the Arietta thing. I remember that. I remember him talking about what, a, what a difference that guy has made for that, that staff and in that locker room. And, and, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, you know, he's the, that guy who, who can step up and can make a difference with those guys in the locker room. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited to see him get back on the Hill on Saturday after the whole, you know, outburst and coming back home and a, and a big series against the Brewers. I'm excited well, to well, see hey, him take the hill. He he opened up his mouth. Now he's going to back it now up. Now he's got to back it. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly he, what I'm saying. They, they got to him in the sixth inning. He was kind of rolling along. They got to him. So now you open up your mouth. Now you have to back it up. And he seems like one of the guys that he, you know he's going to back it up this start. All right, Johnny, final thing uh, before we get out of here. J.P. Crawford returns. Interesting, played third base yesterday, and and um, I, it's one of those moves where Kapler said he, they might play him at third base more often. I don't get that one. You mentioned it before. I feel the same way. Scott Kingery is not a shortstop. He doesn't look comfortable there. He doesn't. Uh, make he doesn't have the right reads. He doesn't. He has trouble covering from that side of the it's base. It's not his natural position. It's not. Think about it. Yes. So I, I find that strange. And I, I was talking to Mike Angelina today, and we were both like, "Is it? Is it maybe that Crawford's arm isn't ready to make the deep throws from short coming back from that arm injury? We couldn't really mm. figure it out. Do you have any thoughts on why that that's happening, and and just generally on Crawford being back? No, with. With with Kapler, you really yeah, I, I I would never put Kingery at shortstop unless it was a total pinch. You know, there'd be someone I know Florman went down. There, I would have a guy that would be out there for the most part, even if he can't hit, just because he can field his position. Yep. I don't feel comfortable with him playing shortstop. So I have no idea what Kapler's thinking with this. Uh, why is he playing third base? I don't know. As far as JP coming up, um, yeah, it's listen. For, for for the High Hopes podcast, pretty big JP backers, mm-hmm. right? I'd say between between Jack, you and I, mm-hmm. uh, he has he has not produced. It looks similar to what he was doing last year in AAA. He was down with Clearwater with the Threshers in his rehab assignment. He was he wasn't driving the ball. He 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 wasn't wasn't showing that he that he looked like he was going to come up here and and really do much of anything. So maybe they just want to ease him back in there. You're right. Maybe it is a worry about the arm. Uh, ultimately, I think JP is going to be okay, but certainly not the way you wanted to start your career up here in the big leagues. No. And um, so, yeah, as much as, uh, you know, I'm not going, well, they should have never traded Freddie because they got a great prospect for him. And, hey, listen, he, you know, good luck to Freddie out in San Diego. We, we love him. Um, 
But yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty big stretch here uh, for JP before the All Star game. It'd be great to get the average up. It'd be great to to get on a little bit of a roll. Uh, take your take your break in July and then come back out for the uh, for the home stretch. Otherwise, James, if this team's in contention and he's still doing what he's doing right now, Klentek might look for a veteran guy that can that can help you down the stretch. Yeah, I know I, I would be. Yeah, you might have to. I'm with you. At look. They might, depending on how this plays out, they might have to add a bat anyway. And I never would have thought that. You know, I, I thought it would be a, a, a starting pitcher they would need, maybe a bullpen arm, but nobody's hit, man. And nobody's hitting. Oh, Dubo hit. And, and now he's obviously been struggling more so than he did at the beginning, obviously. But otherwise, like that's it. Cesar a little bit. Hoskins for like a week. Nobody's Dylan hitting. Cousins. Dylan Cousins got another start today. Dylan Cousins, yeah. He had a great throw from left field on that one play uh, where Knapp, they ruled, watch. Knapp was blocking the play. But, yeah, he's fun to watch. I think he's going to be someone who ultimately will probably Big strike dude. out a little too much. But you know what? The baseball's going there. You're, you're, the whole conception of, of, oh, that guy strikes out too much, it doesn't really matter anymore. Everyone strikes out all well, the time. As long as you as long as you produce, the strikeouts don't matter. I think that the worry with me and Cousins is that once they figure out how to pitch them, it will be all strikeouts and no hits. I, I, and that's no. where that's where I come down. I I don't I'm not bullish on Dylan Cousins's potential. Uh, but again, you know, we'll look, it changed the launch angle, and all of a sudden he's a 50 homer guy every year. You know, that's the yeah, way it seems right now. Um, all right, uh, Johnny. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Um, I have a. I I did a a Mark's minor league podcast that we're going to be releasing on Sunday morning. I spoke to Jason Waddell, who is actually down in Florida. He writes for a bunch of different major league and minor league baseball websites. But if you ever see me retweet. Sixto Sanchez videos that he, him pitching or anything going on down in the Florida State League. It's from Jason. He's he goes to all the games. He's been scouting this league for a, a long time, so he has really really good information and he's got a good perspective on the guys that that are down there playing right now, where they were before, and even a, even a Reading guy or two that he watched last year. So we're talking Sixto, we're talking Mickey Moniak, and we're talking uh, Adam Hazley. Really the three of their bigger prospects or two of their three top prospects. Uh, so that's coming up. I'm going to drop that on Sunday morning. So uh, look forward to everybody uh, tuning in for that. I love it. Dropping Sunday morning. Everyone check that out. The Mark's minor league report is back and I love it. And uh, I will quickly for the absent Jack Fritz say rate and review the podcast. It makes Jack incredibly happy, but it also helps us. Uh, helps people find the podcast if they're looking for Philly's podcast, all that type of stuff. So, if and people you, have been doing that too. Yeah, we we appreciate it so much. We're we can't tell you. Yeah, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Uh, do it if you like us. Do it. Do it if you hate us. Do it if you're just eh on us. But uh, please but give do five it. stars even if you hate us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> please, please do it for us. Uh, whatever you think of us. And my final thought really quickly is just in general, be be relaxed with this team in this month of June because it is an awful month. I mentioned it before, but after this Chicago series now, three with Milwaukee, Colorado is the worst team they'll play this month. Milwaukee again, St. Louis, who's like seven or eight games above 500, Washington, the Yankees, Washington. It is a murderous schedule over the next month, so... 
They just got to keep their head above water. July, it gets way easier. They play the Mets. They play Baltimore. They play Miami. They play San Diego. So keep your head above water. Tread water. 500-ish baseball is okay for the month of June. All right. Yes. Uh, that is uh, – and, and look – don't don't lose it in June. Uh, you know that uh, would be uh, a great month of June. Exactly, a six and twenty June ain't gonna get it done. But no. if you go, uh, you know, uh, ten and thirteen or thirteen and ten or anywhere in that general range, I am fine. And I, I think that that is a, a fine spot to be in. All right, uh, for John Marks, uh, we will be back with another podcast as always coming up uh, on Monday, and of course over the weekend it's dropping on Sunday. The Marks minor league reports. So uh, again, thank you for listening to another edition of the podcast. See you guys soon. See you.